Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans each week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. here freelance writer player of games writer of words recorded videos and tabletop role-playing aficionado welcome to my weekly behind the scenes dm only live stream crafting icewind down which i build right and prepare for our next session of rhyme of the frost maiden you're playing characters of all robin Frey, celeste edmund or thimbleweed this is not the correct stream i will see you tomorrow but for the rest of you welcome a warning lots of spoilers to follow in this stream we stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday evening. You can watch all of our D&D live series as well as reviews and Let's Plays on my YouTube channel and read weekly session recaps at roguewatson.com. You can follow me on Twitter at roguewatson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Uh, some new patrons this week, James, thank you for your support. For our campaign, use Roll20.net for streaming. I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Good morning, Nathan, Jay, Jerry. I've debated on getting another cup of coffee this morning because uh, it's been a rough morning. <laughs> the wife woke me up at like, I don't know, 6.30, 6.45, and the baby's screaming. The puppies have all uh, made terrible messes throughout the house. We had to get the older kiddo ready for school. It was just an absolute uh, clusterfuck of a morning. But things have settled down down. I'm ready to talk about D&D, which we are... Uh, Wrapping up the custom portion of this quest in which I kind of went nuts and really expanded on the Mead Must Flow uh, storyline by providing an entire Mead Hall dungeon crawl and really transforming the entire Verbig thing into kind of a almost Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation with this whole plot involving the actual Mead and mutations and growth and all this stuff. I don't know where I came up with all this shit, but... I just felt like doing it, <laughs> and I, I honestly, I think last session, not my, for anything I did necessarily, but for the players, was like, I think my favorite session of our campaign so far, just because of the energy level, and the jokes we were making, and, you know, none of that shit I can actually plan and design for, but that was incredibly enjoyable to be able to experience that with uh, everybody, and obviously to have it streamed live and everything, you can see our joy just oozing off the screen so that was fun um probably won't hit those high marks every single time but that's okay um what we have left in this dungeon is not much honestly um so they they killed the ochre jellies the mutated mead they did that fight that was a cool fight um 
there is going to be an escape tunnel, which I've alluded to, beneath the uh, grates, basically, here, that leads, essentially, to the Verbeeg layer, uh, which, if we look at the Goodmead map, and we take the little measuring tool, which is a cool feature that uh, Rule 20 has, which I believe, yeah, so I was going to have the tunnel extend about a thousand feet, uh, like, northwest, and that puts them squarely into the woods, and then from there, the uh, Verbeeg layer cave can just be, you know, somewhere within a couple hundred feet of this, and they can, you know, pretty easily follow tracks, essentially, and that will lead them to the Verbeeg layer, so that'll be how they get there. Now, there is still uh, one important thing. Well, first of all, they haven't technically dealt with the bees yet, right? So they'll have to choose um, how to deal with that. And I'm giving them an interesting option here, which I teased last session through the NPC that uh, was attacked, taken down, and, and ultimately stabilized by Thimbleweed, which is there is a cleansing sequence that you can activate uh, in the manager's office, which is this room number 10 that I've designated, uh, which is accessible. If we look at, um, you know, you're seeing it from my point of view, which I should show this every once in a while, but this is kind of what the PCs are actually seeing uh, in terms of you know, how it's all blocked off and stuff. So uh, there's a hallway that does lead down here and then into uh, this office, which is very much like that kind of overseer style, you know, second story floor where you have got the window that looks over amongst the people working. Um, and inside this office, there is a like emergency valve type lever, whatever, that will release a chemical agent into uh, essentially where the bees are, which is going to be the greenhouse area, and I guess this outdoor area as well, in terms of like, you know, they normally get like an irrigation system that helps, you know, whatever, shoot vitamins or something in the area and, and supplements, whatever they need. And this is literally an emergency situation where if, you know, some maybe like an infection spread or a fungicide or something happened, uh, they could, uh, essentially management could pull this lever and that would... Um, supposedly destroy, uh, you know, kill whatever is out there. And it would be obviously an emergency situation where you would want, not want any personnel out there and all that. So there'd be some fun warnings about that. Um, they will find a second key on the speaker's body. And that, because I'm picturing literally the classic, like, uh, you know, like nuclear device, whatever you have to put in both keys, turn them at the same time kind of a deal. So they'll find a second key um, uh, after this fight, which they finished up near one of the skeletons. And that key combined with the one they already have that Thimbleweed has, you can put both keys, turn it, and then that will uh, unlock the ability to do this um, cleansing sequence. So that kind of gives them an easy out to deal with the bees. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Thimbleweed balks at that because he is Mr. Bee Whisperer. And uh, obviously it would be... It could be considered a bit of a, a moral problem to just kind of murder them all, and yet they're also not the friendliest bees. So this is kind of the the complicated situations I'm throwing uh, at the players. I also thought, would it be uh, more interesting that if the players do decide to activate this um, way out of dealing with the bees, if I have the bees respond in some way, you know, because option A is you literally just have it you know, a cutscene where you see them all just wither and die really quickly and boom, you're done. Or option B is it starts activating, but because this agent was designed for regular sized bees, maybe it takes longer um, to actually, you know, kill the bees. And so 
you know, I'm picturing maybe even like a, the birds a situation where they start flinging themselves at the window because I am going to say that there's windows here, which I do plan on doing like this so that you, the players can actually see. Because if you if you recall, only Reese has actually seen um, the majority of this map. The other players have only seen like the very entrance and then this top portion here. So I can open these windows up if they make it up there. And because I've got these windows there, you know, they can see the action happening. And then I could have these bees just like, you know, shoving themselves in very creepy ways, just smashing against the windows until maybe they break free and thus have a little bit of a, a ruckus up here where a bunch of bees kind of fling in, um, you know, into the players and basically just, just fight the players in a mad rush. And the idea here is it's just kind of a survival round where essentially some bees come in and attack the players, but then eventually the bees would succumb, maybe even have the um, the queen like shove herself in there and attack and everything. I think that could be a really interesting method because at that point there would be no, um, you know, di di diplomacy has broken down at that point. There won't be no talking to the bees and pacifying them if that is the choice that you've made. And one of the things is, you know, Thimbleweed's only one of the party members, so it's possible they could, you know, escort him out or, you know, in order to pull this thing and try to do it without his knowledge or something, so... It's one of those situations where, as a DM, it's it's I've created this in such a way to be a little bit more liberating because I don't need any of these things to happen. You know, it's it really is up to the players entirely on how they solve this mission and the choices that they make. None of this really matters in the context. Of, I mean, it it's a side quest, so none of it matters in the context of the main story, but also it's not like there's any critical NPCs or any super important story information. Like, this is just... You know, the fate of this town is basically up to the players, and it, it it's really up to them on how they want to handle it. I also threw a curveball uh, when it comes to Shandar being kind of a, uh, a little bit of an important NPC where he helped lead the players into this back room, and he's expecting to be able to get some, uh, you know, meat out of it and some, like, swipe basically some goods from his own uh, company. Uh, so I'm basically trying to decide how much more things I want to throw at the players before they actually get to the Verbeeg layer. because as interesting as I think some of those things can be, um, I'm also cognizant of the fact that this is going to be the fourth session of this side quest, and uh, we haven't even gotten to the Verbeeg layer yet, you know, the actual, like, part that's written into this. Con now, granted, the first one was, we haven't made it to the town yet, right? There was, like, Knoll Cave, so... Technically, that wasn't even part of the quest, but, you know, we're going to be 20 sessions in, and we're still not even at the end of Chapter 1 yet. So, that's also a bit of a concern in terms of uh, overall pacing. I don't want to spend uh, necessarily too long, although we've had a blast. Like, we've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's been, you know, very, like I said, I think Session 19 was was like one of the most enjoyable sessions we've had. So I'm curious to know what all of your thoughts are in terms of the overall pacing of the campaign. If you're, if you're thinking it's um, going very slow, uh, you know, I'm reading a lot of, uh, I, I tend to lurk on the Reddit thread because there's good information on there. And a lot of folks are saying, Oh, we beat the game in 40 sessions or something. I'm just flabbergasted. Now, granted, we only do like two to two and a half hour sessions. So we do a lot um, shorter sessions than most folks do. So anytime somebody says that, I always tend to like multiply it by 1.5 or by 2. But even then, um, it feels like it's definitely taken us quite a while. But it's because of shit like this, right? If we had just run Good Mead like the initial Verbeeg's layer, it would have been, you know, all of two sessions. Whereas now we're going to be four, this is the fourth session, and we might just now finally get to um, the Verbeeg layer. So 
I don't know if I'll do the bee thing because I think it it would just add to a lot of time, even though it would be, you know, a fun way to use the bees. And then the other thing is how to use um, Shandar in terms of, uh, you know, is he going to cost the players again? Like, is he going to try to sneak in and, and deal with that? And what happens if the players decide they don't want to immediately go to um, the Verbi Glare? What if they just say, okay, we've made it this far. We've discovered what happened here. You know, we can, let's go back and just long rest and continue on tomorrow. Because normally, if they're in the middle of a quest out in a dungeon, I don't let them long rest. But here, they're technically in the, the dungeons in the middle of a town. So there's not a whole lot of uh, narrative reason I can give an excuse for having the players not be able to long rest here. Especially because time is technically not a factor for them either. Because all of this happened days ago anyway. It's not like they're about to catch somebody. Um... Now, granted, obviously, people like Olaves would be very concerned about, oh, we need to go hunt down the, you know, people that did this, and every day is a problem and all that, you know, but ultimately, it's that she has not really a leg to stand on. It's going to be the player's choice on uh, whether they want to continue with that or not. So, I guess my other thing is I, I, would, I wouldn't mind introducing some kind of complication to the players if they do decide to back off in short re- and uh, long rest. Maybe I have Shandar end up like you know, getting confirmation about what happened and stealing some mead and end up kind of putting the town and the players in more of a bind, um, even though ultimately it may not, you know, matter to them, but it might just be like an epilogue thing. We're like, here's the situation, good mead. Um, regardless, uh, I do want to, and, you know, if they back off in long rest, I'm just going to kind of montage that and, and and take it further. But I would like to go ahead and make us, make it make us get to the Verbeek's Lair because I think that's where we need to get to by this session for sure i don't think I, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to even finish this quest um this next session especially if verbig's lair ends up being a pretty big long dungeon crawl so let's go ahead and look at verbig lair because this is actually what the original quest line is uh which is a pretty nice little newbie dungeon that um i don't know how much i'll be modifying to tell you the truth it's got a kind of outdoor area here which we can go ahead and throw some tokens on here does it have let's see does not have dynamic so this is just all dark right because it should be i guess the campfire there should be a little bit of light outside um even though it's technically not you know we're still on the rhyme so we're still kind of dark but should be some kind of dark light let's take one i've got already this is a thing you can do when you've got maps that are both inside and outside you basically make it an inside map but then you can make dynamic lighting to simulate light from coming from outside means we put these kind of out here and that uh, creates some form of light or outside we do that I don't know why roll 20 makes the X's I guess it's easier on their system uh, in terms of the tree block blocking there we go okay got some outside and we're gonna have the cave. Uh, maybe they even follow the stream. There's a stream nearby that they've got footprints, and they can follow the stream here to this cave. And this is gonna be where actually Doug has been. And then um, I think story-wise, what's happened is you know he transformed into a verbeeg, and it ended up being a permanent transformation. Um, and it has been deteriorating his intellect somewhat. Although, as we discovered, verbeegs still have like a twelve intelligence, so it's not like he's a dumb brute or anything by any means. Um, he just might have lost. I mean, in fact, he's still above average intelligence. So maybe he's, maybe that was what he perfected. He's, he's actually just big, strong, and um, still retained a lot of his intelligence. Because yeah, they've gotten eleven. 
did lose a little bit of charisma. <laughs> you probably didn't have much charisma to begin with. All right, so let's put you on the map. Actually, put everybody on the map. Gather your party to venture forth. It will be at least short resting, I would presume, because they took some damage there. Almost took down Celeste. Stupid half-orc relentless endurance. This is a cool dungeon because you immediately get three entrances to come in, and then if you're really perceptive, you could even skirt outside the cave and find a fourth entrance. I did it in 26 sessions with three hours each. I think we discussed this um, a couple of sessions ago, and I'm absolutely floored by that. <laughs> even if I ran things purely by the book, there's no way in hell I would be able to tell this story that quickly. Session 19 was awesome. I always take 50 or so sessions through pre-made adventures with four-hour game sessions. Right, and like I said, ours are like two to two and a half hour sessions. So for us, that would be like basically what Tomb ended up being, which was an 80, what, six, seven session campaign, like almost 90 sessions. And that's back when we were probably doing closer to three hour sessions on average. As long as your player's having fun, I think it is great. Yep. That's pretty much the uh, the main motto for DMing. So, now that we're in the Verbeeg's lair... Ooh, do we have a good handout? Oh, yeah. Boy, what is that? Giant uh, mammoth tusk sticking out? Okay. That's cool. I need to make a note about that. It's a cool marker. Go handout. Mammoth tusks. Greetings from Finland. Hello, Finland. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's nice of you to say, R2. Um, what else is here? Looks goodies. Oh, that's the actual, that's the other verb. So, I don't know if I'll even do this now. Well, yeah, I do need to do it because I already talked about Gage, but at some point... For some reason, she's also transformed into a Verbeeg, and yet he had just... Tra okay, well, there's been a couple days. So he transformed into a Verbeeg because of his latest um, creation, and it was actually, like, Gage that helped him. Um, she uh, basically put the formula into, like, the supplement for the bees, and then the bees were able to make the honeymead, and then the honeymead, they kind of reconstituted the formula, blah, 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 whatever, hand-waving that shit. And then um, the latest creation did turn him into a Verbeeg, and then he gave some to Gage, um, consensually, and then they both became Verbeegs, and the twist is that they're happy in this new state of being, um, which means I'm not opposed to the players actually solving this issue diplomatically if they can. I think it would be very tricky because um, uh, the, he would be... Uh, Doog Doug and, and Gog <laughs> would be very paranoid um, of intruders, and they've certainly got some more hostile uh, allies, which would be the dire wolves and the ogre, which was Harold. <laughs> um, but maybe if the players play their cards right, they could solve this socially. I'm not necessarily opposed to that. It really just depends on how they play their cards. Um, because, I mean, it, it is kind of his fault on how this went down, but ultimately he just found something that and the other thing is I don't want to necessarily give the players, um, I certainly don't want to let them permanently transform into Verbeegs. So uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't have any more of the formula. Um, 
that let them do that. Instead, maybe he's been, maybe he's out, and because the place is so dangerous, he hasn't been able to go back and get it. And now that he's learning about how dangerous the bees have become, he's realizing that might not even be possible. Um, so maybe instead, he's been creating um, like distilled versions or uh, watered down versions, which essentially would be like potions of growth. So at that point, he can produce, um, you know, temporary verbigness. And yes, very big, very big. <laughs> Um, which would be like loot the players uh, would be able to get. Um, and maybe the players can work with them diplomatically. Well, well I'm, I'm totally open to that. Not necessarily it has to be combat encountered here. Which means if they take out the bees, they've actually solved a lot of the side quests without using combat. Um, the, the ochre jelly mutated mead being pretty much the only fight that I would have forced, um, depending on the order in which they go through events here. So they have an option of three different paths into this cave, or they could go around to... Uh, the entrance at V2. How oh, did I close that window? Shoot. I meant to go. V plus blow. Um, so I believe, let's see, V6 is just the stream. So I took out the cave bear because, again, I want to do the uh, the whole potion of growth thing. The fact that he's his whole experimentations on this elixir and this formula, which he found this formula in this cave, uh, is to be able to make creatures bigger and stronger. Kind of a... Uh, I don't know, like a steroid, fantasy steroid formula or something. Um, or, you know, Mr. Hyde or Hulk or whatever, that kind of trope. Uh, so I'm replacing the bear with essentially a bunch of dogs or maybe just sled dogs that they had or somebody had. Um, and those are now dire wolves. I would like to create a, like, a journal or something. Or maybe it's just going to be a, a, a dialogue sequence with Doog. Um, where they can learn a little bit more about what happened. Um, the journal is usually the easiest way to go about that. And it helps if you can find the journal before fighting the bad guy. So I don't know where I'll actually put that. Maybe in V8. Maybe I'll move. Um, I'll move him. I don't know. I guess, no, he makes sense he's by the campfire. So can they see that light? Let's see. It's lost that dark vision, right? Oh, in fact, it's really bright out here. It's not supposed to be this bright. Does this have dynamic lighting on? It sure does. Daylight mode is off. Really just that fucking bright? Oh, I guess this is bright for those with dark vision. Okay. Wait, why is it? Okay, maybe Celeste is just weird. Because I can see... I don't know. The movie's pretty much... Dark too. I don't know why they light up? Maybe I switch their stuff around. Turn all with no tint. It's kind of honestly been a pain. Yeah, he's got dimming on. Dimming five feet. Change it to that because there should be. That looks like. There we go. That looks more like you've got some dark vision. Okay. It's kind of been a pain in the ass to replicate this, the right level of darkness to make sense for those with dark vision and those without. He's got 10 feet of night vision. In other words, when he... Okay, now you can see the effect of no, with no dark vision to get into the cave itself. I think she's got uh, dark vision turned on so she can actually see a little further. Okay. 
So now with that going on, you can see light. You can see this area is clearly lit up because of this campfire. But interestingly, you can see the animal pens if you come this way. And then look who's conveniently hidden around the corner is the actual Verbeeg. That would be pretty funny. So that would instantly be a dialogue session, or more than likely, force a combat fight that they could then, um, you know, try and talk their way out of, I suppose. Uh, if they go off the left side, since I moved the bear, maybe I'll put the ogre up there? Hmm. The ogre was going to be a summon that he basically could summon from up here. Or I put the wolves, I was going to have the wolves at the entrance, like, gnawing on these bones to uh, dire wolves, but maybe I could put them in the stream. Normally cave bear lair. Yugabur. There's a statue of Sylvanas here, a statue in the frozen pool crafted using stone shape spells. Radiates an aura of abjuration magic, an identity spell, identify spell can reveal its magical nature. Statue blesses the pool such that any creature that drinks from it gains the benefit of a greater restoration spell. Interesting. I wonder why they put that here, because there's nobody here that can actually do that to the players in terms of doing these effects. Armed or petrified. Unattuned to a cursed magical item. Reduction to ability scores, or your hit point maximum been reduced. Um, I think I might just put some treasure in there, maybe? Although then it seems like they would have already... The problem is this dungeon is occupied by somebody who would have looted everything. So maybe treasure doesn't actually make sense. Could have the journal at the meadery. You know what? I could have it... You're right. I could have it, like, in the tunnel... Like, he dropped that book when he ran, because nobody's been in that tunnel in the days since, and we'll just say that he hasn't been back there. Um, so that's actually not a bad idea. I could put that in the tunnel. I'll make a note of that find. And that would be a good way to kind of tease what, what he's been doing and all that, um, at least up until uh, that day. Because if he hadn't been writing the journal since that day, then obviously he hadn't been updating it. And that's a nice bit of story exposition. Um, so I don't know. If you have any advice for what to put in V7, I'm willing to hear it. But uh, the statue doesn't seem that useful. Or you could just still make it a statue and have it cast like the Bless spell or something else, maybe. Character must dig through a foot of ice to reach it. Okay, well that's different then. If it's actually in a frozen stream, then maybe he hasn't smashed through the ice to get it. Yeah, that, and it's, it is supposed to be like an ancient burial chamber, so maybe it was a statue that has some magical effects, so if they manage to break through it, if they care, then uh, maybe just give them like the blessed spell if they touch it. Maybe they have to actually make a religion check to get the blessed spell, though. I don't know either if they're actually suffering from, suffering from lingering injuries yet. So it's just pure ice in there. Six, three, seven. 
Um, let's put statue in frozen ice. Check for maybe the bless effect. So they could just do something that I would deem acceptable to break their way into the ice to get there. Although if they make noise, that would certainly give away their position. Um, V8 is a bunch of burial niches, which are like little uh, kind of coffin cubby holes, basically. Bones of their chieftain. Tribe carved a tomb out of the hillside. Each burial niche in this tunnel is two feet wide, two feet tall, and five feet deep. Bones of warriors. Now, if I was a player and I saw a very tight hallway that had a little, what am I trying to picture? Like it's like it's like a morgue, right? Where you like put the fucking person in a drawer, <laughs> except it's just open, and there's just bones in there. I would think trap all the way. So I think this is one of those funny situations where. The players would be very leery to step foot in here, uh, even though there's actually no danger in here whatsoever, which is the kind of funny twist. Also, no dynamic lighting. Um, I guess you could keep it like this. You can technically see. I don't know if it would be more annoying or more effective to actually make little lines here where it's technically like, you know, they're all blocking, but that might be just annoying to look at. Don't have to just leave it like it is. Um... I think ultimately it'll just be a, a red herring, though. I don't think there's going to be anything there. I think... I don't know where he's going to end up... Where did he find the formula? Because there's loot in V10. It says you have to have a certain amount of strength to open it, but obviously um, I'm sure he would have done it. How much strength is required? Combined strength of 50. That's That's a weird thing to do. There's no strength check. Like, you either have the strength or you don't. So he would have a 19. Ogres have a 19. You're technically not at 50 yet. You're at 38. However, if you've got essentially another Verbeeg involved, then you do have enough. So if all three of them tried, which probably they would have, then they would have opened it up. Um, in which case, maybe they got access to the treasure, which in, I, I may replace some of this treasure. I need to look at it and see what would fit with my party. Because um, the treasure is a pearl of power, which is useful for every spellcaster. I, uh, I gave out one of those in Tomb of Annihilation. You can straight up uh, replace a spell slot up to... Uh, third level once per long rest. That's very, very useful. Somebody like Valravin would be all about that. In fact, I think he might be the only one that would... Well, I guess Edmund and Thimbleweed both use spells too, but he's using a lot of spells. The other one is they Wand of the War Mage. I don't have a pure spellcaster. Um, plus one bonus to spell attack roll. I guess technically Edmund would benefit from that. Um, because he he uses like uh, magic stone and stuff, so I would just give him a plus one bonus. Yeah, I guess we're using a spellcaster. So maybe I'll actually keep these items. And the problem is, um, he would have looted these items. So find DC of fifty. Yeah, I mean the the thing is, if it's a strength check, no matter what, then. 
I feel like the better solution is if I really want to keep it to where Duke ha hasn't been able to open it, is instead of it being a strength check, it's like a little puzzle they have to solve that involves either just literally an investigation check or if I actually concoct a little puzzle that involves some kind of interlocking mechanism or something that maybe he wouldn't have uh, realized that. So maybe he got the formula from uh, like reading glyphs on the boards, on the walls or something, um, in terms of like ingredients and all that crap. And then maybe, maybe there was actually like a special herb or something growing somewhere that's basically been used up by now um, that he was using in here, like a very rare limited ingredient. That would help solve the issue of why he's been embiggened, but the players, I'm not going to let them necessarily have the same result. Instead, he's been having to basically synthesize um, to try to recreate it, and the best he can do is come up with uh, potions of growth, I think would be the idea. I thought it would be a cool idea to give the player some kind of item that you could constantly grow yourself. That would be, that'd be fun, but I don't see... Uh, this NPC as being somebody who can necessarily do that. I guess I could open it up to let Edmund maybe craft something like that. It's not necessarily Shardlin crafting, but just, um, you know, a way to make an item. Or maybe it is out of Shardlin, like something that would have a, uh, a drawback. Maybe when it wore off or something. Maybe they need... Uh, to solve some kind of puzzle to get in there. What about the tr character trinkets they rolled for in Session Zero? I don't even remember what those are. That'd be pretty weird. Um, did they write those down? Because that'd be a pretty funny callback. Uh, I know his was the Ulu knife thing. Yeah. A fabric doll. What phrase was... A sea glass shaped like a unicorn... Okay. Last. Maybe these will work. Let's see. This it scroll case. Case of studies of. Oh, okay. Has a weird. Um. I don't think she wrote hers down. I remember to give her one because I remember she was not here for the session zero. Uh, trophy taken from a fallen enemy. Ooh, I remember what remember what that was. Oh wait, no, it was a ripped cloth sale. That's what was his trinket, wasn't it? Well, you don't recognize. What was the trophy? Thimbleweed. A real, this is a real uh, trivia question here. What were their fucking... They also got that trophy from an animal you killed. Maybe that's a maybe that's a background thing, like an Outlander thing. I don't think he wrote down his uh, trinket as well. Special natural herb sounds way better than the synthetic stuff. Indeed. <laughs> but that would that would be a good excuse of why uh, they were able to make it 
but it, it didn't didn't quite um, work well the first time, which is why poor Harold was transformed into an ogre instead of a verbeeg. So he did lose a lot of his cognitive ability. And so that's why he had to keep returning to um, the Mead Hall. And that's ultimately why they started like messing with the bees themselves and injecting like them with some growth hormones or whatever else to try and perfect that formula, which ultimately did work with the side effect that it kind of fucked up the entire brewery because it, you know, worked on the bees as well and grew them to size, uh, dangerous sizes. Uh, so I could keep the loot in there because it's, uh, would be good loot for the spellcasters. Uh, in terms of the war, the wand of the war mage and the pearl of power, I could make it so maybe it is like a special mechanism or way you have to open that that does not involve strength because it would make sense that Duke would have just opened it by now. Um, is there anything in V9? Is this just an area? Oh, Duke is actually here in V9. A natural tunnel bisects a ring-shaped excavation in this area, which is once an additional burial chamber. Duke is sitting cross-legged in the tunnel. Nearby. I don't know why he would be in there. I think it makes more sense that he would be in this area uh, by the campfire. Uh, so yeah, V10 has the wall with maybe the formula, maybe some of that. You can tell like there were some like rare herbs growing here that have now been picked over. I'll honestly, I need to create like an alchemy lab, don't I? Somewhere, um, to where he was working on stuff, or was he? Maybe he was always working in the mead hall because that had all the stuff in there, and he was just going back and forth. This is just kind of where he camps out. Because otherwise, how would he have moved shit over here? Maybe he doesn't actually have any um, supplies here, any ways of making more stuff, but I would allow him to have some potions of growth on him just as a treasure thing. <laughs> uh, let's go back to V5. The ogre is here, which his name is going to be called Harold. Harry. Let's see. The system supports the basket, the ogre from tripping over them. The baskets are suspended from the ceiling. That seems pointless. Basically, he's just a summon where, uh, you know, if he hears danger at all, he will assault the players and call for Harold. And then there'll be a fun little tom 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 tom, you know, where the ogre can charge into the battle, probably on the next round or something. Which, uh, ogres are surprisingly quick on their feet. 40 feet speed. Means, what does that mean? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. He can appear in B3 in a single turn. And if he dashes, he could probably even make it to one of the adjacent rooms. Um, right now, I, ch I replaced the cave bear with a pair of dire wolves. Because that, again, goes with the embiggening theme. And I put them in the entrance at V2. I could move them around. They're just kind of gnawing uh, on some bones or something, but I could as easily put them somewhere else. I like them together, though, because of the pack tactics. And that would, uh, in theory, dissuade the players from coming in in this way. So if they come around the corner and actually see the proper entrance, going around here. Uh, interestingly, you don't quite, or maybe you can. Yeah, you can kind of see it a little bit here. Uh, there's the wolves. 
which involves, I mean, you could, you know, make stealth checks and sneak uh, up to them. You wouldn't, you know, and start a fight, you would not be able to sneak past them because they're just gigantic and in the road. To make sure they are labeled one and two. And then I've got the other problem, which is I got a fuck a bunch of fucking goats here, and you know Thimbleweed's gonna want to talk to these fucking goats. I thought it was a fun idea if the uh, Dugan was experimenting on animals by perhaps um, stealing some livestock, and uh, I did unfortunately I did not tease the fact that there were livestock missing, but that is gonna be the case, and uh, was essentially giving them the formula first, which. Uh, seem to work, but maybe I need to have something messed up about them. Um, I don't know if I want to make, like, mutated goats, or just have them be enlarged. Yeah, we're thinking the same thing. Basically, I don't know. I haven't really given much thought to the damn goats. Even though I know they're going to be a critical part of the storytelling here. Um, the goats aren't really going to know much, and sheep apparently too. Um, in, in the context of the story, uh, you can actually use them. I, the problem is I'm changing so much about this because the verbi, even though the verbi is supposed to be like this dumb brute, again, it has intelligence of 11. Like, it's really not that stupid. It's smarter than literally the average human being in this universe. <laughs> um, it says the verbi will actually try to shove people into the campfire, which is funny because that's something that my players try to do. Um... Yeah, the Verbeek and the Ogre kill people on sight. Uh, let's see. Character mission to harm the Verbeek's goats and sheep can use an action to threaten one or more of these animals with a successful intimidation check, cause the Verbeek to cease hostilities, call off the Ogre in the bear cave. Under such pressure, the Verbeek is willing to let intruders leave the lair without further incident, provided the animals in the pen are not harmed or taken. I don't think that'll be the case here. I don't think we give a shit about these animals. He's literally been experimenting on them. Um... Maybe I should get rid of some. One crate is packed with straw. With the Verbeek feeds the goats and sheep. The other contains ten large torches. With the Verbeek made out of wood and pitch. Barrels are half filled with salt and pepper. Which the Verbeek uses to season his meat. Fantastic. Verbeek acquired his livestock by robbing travelers on the east way. Oh, so not actually from good meat necessarily. Uh, but that doesn't work either because... He's only been a Verbeek for a couple days. So... He hasn't really been robbing people for, like, a while. Kind of wrote my, written myself into a corner with this one. Um, maybe we'll get rid of a bunch of these. So there's some big guys and some small guys in here. Um, in fact, maybe we'll just have one be dead. No, because it would be... Be pretty gross. Maybe it's just sick. Maybe they're like, yeah, they're sick. Poison symbol. Um, and they're in. Uh, I don't know. They've maybe their heads are enlarged. You know, something. I want to make it so they weren't. He was experimenting on animals first, as you do, and uh, some of them did get embiggened, and otherwise, and others ended up. Um, you know, getting killed, which that's, I think, what V4 is for. Yeah, the refuse pit. Uh, they dug a refuse pit, which is 20 feet deep, which is up here, which is literally going to be, like, where they where he dumped a lot of his, like, mutations that maybe didn't quite make it. Um, I could do something fun, like put an Ochug in there, but that just seems a little too fantastical for what I'm trying to do. 
And I think I've got enough going on here, honestly. Like, we've done so much already with the Mead Hall. I, I don't really need to expand this dungeon at all. Because I kind of already did that with the Mead Hall. So I think I'm generally keeping all the enemies the same. We still have a Verbeek. We still have an Ogre. The only thing I really changed was I replaced the Cave Bear with two Dire Wolves. Which I think makes it a little bit more challenging. Dire Wolves are both CR1. But there's two of them together. So the Pack Tactics would obviously work uh, pretty well. Never Whisper Rolls. Never Whisper Rolls. Check all that shit off. Being does not whisper, does not, and they're pretty easy to run because he's got just a spear that you can attack twice with. Although he does do a bunch of damage with that spear. And then the funny twist will be that um, sometime after the players deal with this situation, the other Verbeeg appears. I don't think I rolled hit points for them, did I? Is it still average 85? There is. Uh, let's roll hit points. No, it didn't work. I had to do it manually. Let's see. Now, technically, it's going to be a named... They're all named enemies, so I could go higher than average if I wanted to. Ooh, 93. That's higher than average. That's a mess of fucking... Oops, not 993. That would be a little too long of a fight. That's a, that's a hell of a fight. I think I rolled hit points for you, though. 59. Oh, maybe not. Uh, let's do the other Verbeeg. 94. Gage is even beefier. Gog. I did roll for the... Yeah, I did roll for the wolves. I'll look at that one now. Um, I forget what their average is, but it's definitely have different hit points. I like rolling for hit points on... Uh, Creatures. I think it allows, uh, it prevents a lot of kind of metagaming knowledge and makes it so, I don't know, you've got some differences in creatures. Some of them you can kind of play around like, oh, this one was scrawny or this one was particularly strong or well-armored or, you know, ate their Wheaties this morning, whatever. Stoga. 7d10 plus 21. 64. All three of these rolls right now were above average. Only slightly, not probably not where it makes much of a difference. And let's face it, between you and me, you've seen me fudge rolls a million times anyway, so uh you know, it's it's the hit point thing is just a guideline, if anything. There are some points where I specifically want my, you know, enemies to go another round and let them survive, and other times where I'm like, alright, the the crux of the fight has now waned and it's time for these enemies to die. <laughs> so and usually it's you know, at some point when they're uh, fewer than 10 hit points and I'm ready for them to die, then I will just count that as being killed off. What is the average for Direwolf? 37. Yeah, I rolled real fucking high for one of them. I rolled fairly low and fairly high, so they are definitely ones bigger than the other. Make them all deformed and feasting upon the dead one? Really go with the horror thing. That would go with the horror thing. Um, My concern is that this is like the main room, though, where he hangs out, so I don't know... Um, not opposed to that though. That'd be a f a real shocker for Thimbleweed, and maybe that would paint help paint Dug as more of a villain though too. 
if the players want to still deal with him diplomatically, which they could, but especially once Thimbleweed sees what he's been doing to the animals, uh, that would it might actually enrage. It's funny how I'm using Thimbleweed specifically because of his animal uh, relationship. You know, he wants to work for the bees because he feels kinship with them. Maybe if he sees another, uh, you know, human being uh, experiment or having experimented on animals, especially his beloved goats, that may uh, trigger the opposite response, which would be, you know, we got to kill this guy, which I don't think I've ever seen uh, Reese do before. He usually plays pretty good-hearted characters, so that that could be an interesting dilemma. I'm actually kind of liking that idea. Um, to do that effectively, though, I would need the players to encounter this before encountering him and at least have that be separate. So maybe... Maybe I just have him off screen and he just, kind of similar to Gage, he just kind of spawns in at some point. I could maybe play around with that. You know, I, you know, in other words, he's not technically in a room. He's wherever I need him to be as the DM. So if they go here first, maybe he's in another room somewhere. And then whenever the players go, I have, you know, him appear. Like he could be up here in the refuse pit. Or he could just be outside somewhere. Like, you know, that could be a number of things. Um, So that might be the better way of dealing with it. So the players have a chance to witness all this. And then maybe, uh, I mean, he was originally a nine anyway, but I don't want him to be like a straight shot and be visible. And maybe he eventually comes and sees them, like especially if the goats are making noises. So that's not a bad idea. I could have him, depending on where the players are, I could have him come from the west or from the east. I kind of like that idea. We will move him here, just kind of off screen. <laughs> and in that case, we'll have to rewrite what happens in... B3, and instead he come, they can come across the animals and then deal with that as kind of a horror scene. In other words, this entire section is going to be a lot of exploration to begin with. You know, V8 to V9 to V10, we'll be discovering... Oh, is this visible also to V5? Oh, it sure is. That's interesting. What does it say on the tunnels for V10? Did you just sneak up on that ogre? say that tunnels okay um wonder if i want to have this be visible or have this be like rocky tunnels that are kind of you know because i'm thinking about putting blockers they can't literally just end up like here and then just clearly see this ogre right here you know I'm thinking maybe I put some blockers here, and then if they choose to go down the tunnel, that way I'm just like, oh, you know, not having to have them freak out. Maybe we just do that. And put one here, and just kind of tell them, yeah, you see tunnels that kind of extend and curve for a little bit. I think that'd be more effective. And then if they choose to crawl in there, um then they can see, then I would describe this room and the fact that the ogre is not paying attention to them, but it is in this room, and then they can choose whether or not they want to do something to it. So that's more of a peace of mind for me in terms of I just want to be able to describe one room at a time. <laughs> obviously, the ogre will not be reasoned with. The ogre would obviously go ham on them and just attack, but it could also be tricked. 
dumb ogre. So I like the idea of maybe a mutated goat and maybe some dead animals here. Maybe the mutated goat is like eating uh, the sheep. Here we go, we can do this. Make all the smaller ones dead with some of them having like growths or mutations and having these big ones also be big and, you know, enlarged. I keep on saying big and. Um, and have it be like they're a little like feasting, like there's something very wrong with them. In which case, maybe I need to use a different stat block. I could actually turn these into maybe combatants, like they're enraged large beasts or something. Oh, I guess they are a giant goats still. It's, it is a stat block. To where, um, what do I do if Thimbleweed wants to try to talk to them? And then um, they've already read the journal, which would include uh, Doog experimenting on the animals. Like, he would have notes in there. So that would be a fun tease for this event, and they'll see this event happening. And that should paint a better picture of what this dude's been doing. Um, and then have him basically, probably, depending on where the players go, probably have him, like, waltz in... Um, to, you know, V3 properly, and then the players can decide what to do from there. But the the Verbeek will absolutely be hostile initially. Like, they would have to do things specifically to make him not hostile. And he can bring in allies through the form of his two direwolves and his friend Ogre. And then eventually, depending on how the whole situation goes, I can call in uh, Gage to appear and just be another Verbeek. But I, these are some pretty big meat shields, uh, that if it does turn into an actual an absolute slog, like it's gonna it's gonna be nasty. Like these furbies can do, God, what is this? They can deal seventeen average damage twice with a plus six to hit, and they've got meaty dex and con saves and just a fuck ton of hit points. Like just nasty, nasty fights if they really get into it. Coats are notorious jerks. Yeah, so that would be a cool twist, is the fact that this goat is like, kill me, you know, and just kind of really enraged and, and messed up. And he's like, what happened to you? And like, you know, I could really go into the horror angle. So I'm actually liking that idea uh, quite a lot. I think that'll help uh, paint a darker picture of what happened here. Otherwise, I'm keeping everything pretty much as written. Um, I, so we're going to change, like, well, with the caveat that we're changing still a lot. So the V3, the goat, the animal things will be mutated and evil and feasting on each other and all that. Um, V10, which is where the tomb is, I'm going to still have that locked, but instead of it being a strength check, it's probably going to be some kind of puzzle to actually unlock the thing. Um, even though it'll be the mural and the herbs and stuff that was actually used to make the formula and inside, in, inside the, um, uh, chief's, you know, thing is maybe a, maybe it's a warning to like, this is actually, was actually, or maybe it was actually on the mural itself that like the downfall of this tribe was actually, you know, using this stuff too much and thus, you know, becoming corrupted and big and evil and stuff. Um, of which, of course, was not heeded by Dugan, who now goes by Dug. I don't think we're going to be able to honestly get through. Again, it depends on how much the players want to fuck around in the meat hall still in terms of, you know, the lever and, the, and how much I want to include Shandar and all of that. It just depends on how much story they want to do. Um... You know, I could have Shandor reappear and really demand the the meat, although that seems like kind of just reiterating what we already went through. Um, 
I'm going to try not to linger too much on that stuff. It really depends on how much the players want to engage with it. But ultimately, I do want to try to get them to the Vermeague layer as, as quickly as I can. And I'm not opposed, nor do I think I can stop them from long resting in between these two dungeons. Obviously, pacing-wise, I think it would be better if they just continued and didn't long rest. And that's kind of how I've uh, balanced all of these dungeons and side quests, is the fact that they have... You know, they long rest in between all of them, uh, and then everything else is just a short rest while they're in the dungeon. But because this was a unique situation where it was a dungeon in the middle of a town, I don't think I can logically stop them from long resting in the middle. And frankly, I think this one is still... If, if this becomes a combat encounter, it's a very challenging one because of how much freaking hit points and attacks these creatures have. Um, so maybe that would be in their favor to do that, and I, I'm not opposed to it. But as I said, I'm not sure, especially if this turns into a big-ass fight, that we would actually finish this next session. But hopefully we'll at least be nearing the end because, uh, you know, this as, as much fun as this is, it doesn't technically have any relevance on the main plot. It's just dealing with this whole good maid situation. Um, after this, we'll start talking about uh, East Haven because I believe that's where the players are going to be headed next. Um, but I could also give them the mission to go to Karkalok via... A message from Bryn Shander. Um, those are the two things that I'd still like to do before Sunblight, even though it's going to be the players. Uh, to, I mean, technically, they have to go to East Haven first in, in order to go to to figure out the location of Sunblight, and then I've got a lot of really important s- story stuff that's going to happen in East Haven for sure. Um, Corkaloke, I think, is just a really fun location, um, but it's something I want to run while they're still technically. I was going to say tier one, but honestly, God, we're when they wrap up this session, I think I may have to level them up to, not this session, but this quest, I think I have to level them up to five. Because I think it'll have been that long. I think it'll have been like, you know, eight or nine sessions since they leveled up. So I kind of have to do it. Which isn't the end of the world. I was hoping, my goal is that they're still level five for Sunblight. Which would start to stretch it a little bit. But if they're five for East Haven and Corkaloke and Sunblight, that's going to start feeling... A little bit long. I guess if I need to, I could have them be six for Sunblight, and then they're still six for the Shardolin Dragon, and they just wouldn't level up after that. Um, you know, that's the the fun thing about the milestone pacing is it is ultimately up to me, but I am trying to be, uh, I'm trying to pace it out based on how much content I still want to do, but also I don't want to wait like I did with Tomb in terms of how you know trying to shove all of this stuff into Tier One. Instead, I should just let them level up and just kind of balance things um, around them for that. Um, I think that is going to do it for Crafting Icewind Dale. It has been about an hour, so thank you all for joining me for the stream. If you enjoy these streams and video content, please consider supporting me via patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Tiny Dancer, Wizard, Princess, Christopher Thomas, Captain Mike, Adam, Aiden, Stan, Nathan, Alex, Chad, Alexander, Dan, Cam, Quizettes, Hatterack, and James. And gold patrons, RPG paper crafts, pretty boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard Lounge, Sam, Ross, Lippy Spuds, Drome, Scalina, Nick, Farty Mc, Butterpants, Blood Angel, Bronus, Baboon, Baboon, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, and James. I'll see you all for D&D tomorrow night. Remember my outro music. There we go. <laughs>